Good morning. I'm so happy to see all your faces. I can't see you if you're online, but I know you're there. Good morning to you as well. So a couple of things I want to say before we start talking about 40. The first one is this. When you leave here this morning and drive your car away, do not go back out that way. No, no, no. Go this way around the building, and when you drive through, guess what you're going to see? All kinds of walls that have gone up. You're going to like it. Now, if you want to, pull over, hug up against the blocks, and climb out and run around in there and have a little fun. It's coming up out of the ground. It just has happened dramatically in just this last week. It's fantastic. Yeah, have you seen it already? Yes, you have. So do that. There's one other thing I want you to know that if you're like in... Um, if you're in the mid-30s and you're in a life group, and the life group leader is Kristen Connor, my daughter-in-law, and my son, Walter, and if you're in that life group, those folks are going over to Friendship Park immediately after this worship service, and you're invited to come join them. So go out, look at the building, take a right, go south, go to Bay to Bay and Lois, and bam, there you are at Friendship Park this morning to have a little fun between like 10.45 and noon. How'd I do? Good? Is that good? Yeah, you're in, right? If you're into it for that, I want to see the thumbs who's going. A few hands. Are, I see them going up. You just changed your mind, families. You're going. <laughs> just because you can. Anyhow, here we are in this sermon series, and uh, today is the penultimate. Look that word up if you don't know what it means. And we're, this is the next to the last, and so that's what penultimate means. Next to the last, and, and we're talking about 40s, and this 40 is sort of out of sequence because we're going to talk about 40 after the resurrection. And you're going to hear some things today I'm guessing you've never heard before. I'm going to help us try to understand some powerful stuff, really powerful stuff, that maybe you've never thought about before, about what it means that Jesus is the king of the universe. And to sort of get at it, let's talk about royalty for a few minutes. And let's talk about acceding to the throne. And that's what we have here. So we start with a picture of Queen Elizabeth II. Now this is on her coronation. Her father died on February 6, 1952. And that's the moment she became the queen. But because of paying tribute to deceased monarchs, it was a year later plus that she was actually coronated. Now she was queen, but the coronation itself, the ceremony happened over a year later. You with me? Everybody good? Now, I'm wanting you to start thinking it's really hard for us as Americans because we don't even like monarchs. But I want you to start falling in love with sovereignty. With sovereignty. I want you to start falling in love with the idea of a king in whom you can enlist your entire loyalty, to whom you surrender for whom you serve with grateful joy. Sovereign, royal, ruler, enthroned. Look, look at her, seated with all of the regalia of this proud monarchy. And once again, as an aside, it's okay that we don't like all of that. But I want you to like it this morning for a whole different reason. Well, as you know, Looking down at the date, she died, QE2 died, Queen Elizabeth II died last September. It was the 8th of September. And so, you know what happened? Charles III immediately becomes the king. He is now the reigning king of the entire British Empire. He is the king and to whom the subjects owe their loyalty. He is the sovereign turns out that he's going to be coronated this year 
on May 6th, guess what else happens that day? The run for the roses. <laughs> Which one are you going to watch? <laughs> I'm watching the Derby. <laughs> so, my, my, again, I want us, though we historically, we didn't like the monarchy, so you may remember this, we left. We came over here. We didn't like them at all. We still don't like them, except we won. But, oh, is it really important for us to appreciate sovereignty? Is it important for us to realize that loyalty to the enthroned king of the realm is at the heart of what it means to be a family of faith? And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a 40 that's not unlike this period of time between Queen Elizabeth's dad dying and her being coronated and Queen Elizabeth II herself's death and Charles' upcoming coronation, 40. So let's read about it. This is after the death and resurrection of Jesus, after it. I realize that we didn't get to that yet. That's not till April 9, April 7, April 9, but it's okay. We can jump ahead. We already know the outcome of, of the story. So here's where we are. <clears throat> we are in the book called Acts, A-C-T-S. And it was written by Luke. And Luke is the person whose name you recognize. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, 24 chapters long. He also wrote the book of Acts, 28 chapters long. They're about the same size. They would have appeared at first on two different scrolls simply because scrolls were only limited in how big they could do. Here we go. The first nine verses of Luke Chapter, um, of Acts chapter 1, written by Luke. <clears throat> and in this, we're going to see another 40. And in this, we're going to see the coronation, the seating to the throne room of the sovereign of the universe. And this sovereign wants you to love him as a loyal subject. So here we go. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. <clears throat> in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, my first book means Luke's talking about that thing that we call the Gospel of Luke. In my first book, Theophilus, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Think enthronement. Think th throne room. Think sovereign of the universe. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles Further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died. 40 days. Jesus is resurrected on Easter Sunday morning. And for 40 days he's appearing, showing up. He had fish and chips on the beach one Sunday morning. He physical, a physical being in some mystery, mysterious way, physically. Showed him the scars. Showed him his friends the scars. After During 40 days after he suffered and died, and he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So kingdom of God is language that's out of the Bible. It means God's space, God's realm. It means sometimes the Bible says kingdom of God is the same thing as kingdom in heaven. Sometimes it says the kingdom of God is heaven itself. Sometimes it says it's the, the age to come. Those are all biblical terminologies that show up to help us understand what this is about. So there he is. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem 
until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. And here is the gift being described next. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't let that scare you. It just means that Jesus is going to show up big. We have this mystery in the Christian faith, and we call it Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. God the Spirit is another way of talking about Jesus' presence, talking about God's presence. And what Jesus is saying is, physically, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving, but oh, am I coming back even stronger. I am launching into the world. That's what he means by that. So then the apostles were with him. They're a little bit distracted. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, look carefully at this question. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So what's going on with them is they want their political situation put, put right. They're sick and tired of the Roman oppressors. And they, they can't see past that to the kingdom of God depth of what the sovereign is going to make happen. So he says back to them, verse 7, the Father alone has the authority to set those times and dates. And it's not for you to know. But here I can tell you what's going to happen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people everywhere about me. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And now here comes the enthronement line. You ready? All by itself. After saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Well, that doesn't sound like much of a that doesn't sound like much of a throne room scene. But there's throne room language that's coming. But just a couple of things I want to say first about how to understand this. Again, I'm asking you, though we though we don't like monarchs in the in the worldly sense, we do want to serve and love and surrender to an a sovereign king of the universe. And I want to describe it this way. <clears throat> this, a simple paper plate. But let this be, this is going to be a sweeping summary of all of history. That's what I'm about to do for you. Huh? Can you believe that? That's what I'm doing. This plate represents heaven. I mean, it represents the Garden of Eden. In other words, here is, here is God and here is humanity, and we're all together, and everything is really cool, and everything is happening. And it's all, in other words, the realm of human beings, the space of human beings, and the space of God are on top of each other, and everything's fine. There's no death, there's no cancer, there's no hurt, there are no tears. Everything is great. And God and humanity live together in a perfect, seamless unity. But guess what happens? snake comes along, whispers that we can really be like God if we want to be. And what that means is we can decide what's good and not good on our own without God. And so the realm of God and the realm of humanity get pulled apart. And notice there's no gap. There's a big gap between them. You with me? So God, humanity, not together. See the empty cross behind me? Jesus puts the realm or space of God back together again, sort of, a little bit, on top of the realm of people. In Jesus Christ, heaven and earth have been put back together again, partially. What's coming is the sovereign king of the universe, who we just read about, has acceded to the throne, is going to come back 
and put it all back together again. I want to read it to you. This comes from the last book of the Bible. The book is called Revelation. This we're reading in the next to the last chapter. Chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Listen to heaven and earth, God's space and our space, having begun with Jesus to be overlapped back together again completely. This, is a, this man is seeing this vision. His name is John. He sees this vision and he writes about it. Look what he writes. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and they will be with their God. God himself will be with them, and they will be with their God. And look at some descriptive language, what comes next, about the way things are going to work then. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain because the old order, the old order representing the space of human beings who have said, I can do it without you, God. That old order is gone and heaven and earth have been put back together again. Friends, this is what Scripture teaches us. If you start at the beginning and go all the way through the end, this is what it's about. God is busy in Jesus Christ putting heaven and earth back together again. That's what God is doing. Now, just using paper plates as a physical analogy, if this is what Eden was like, then take two big circles, but to make them, it's going to be better. If these represent Eden, then you need to take circles as big as our solar system and put them on top of each other. That's the way it's going to be forever. And you know why? The reason is Jesus. He's going to be seated on that throne. Jesus is sitting on the throne of the universe, putting heaven and earth back together again, and he's going to come and finish the job, and there will be no more death, no more tears, no more pain. No more suffering, no more rebellion, no more brokenness, no more addiction, no more irreconcilable relationships, all repaired. That's what Jesus is doing. That's the story of the Bible. And you didn't know it, but you're praying that this would be the case, that God would put heaven and earth fully back together again. You pray it all the time. And here's where you're praying it. Whenever you pray the Lord's Prayer, Look at what you pray. This then is how you should pray, says Jesus. Here, here comes the slide up on the screen. This then is how you should pray, says Jesus. Our Father in heaven, enthroned, the sovereign of the universe. Let your mind put somehow put the, the full trinity on that throne. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And now look carefully at the next line. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in our human space the way it is in your space. In our dimension, 
the way it is in your dimension. We pray it all the time, but what we mean is, God, it's already begun in the resurrection of Jesus. And now, 40 days later, you have ascended and you're enthroned and you've released your spirit into the world to put heaven and earth back together again. And we're the project. Think team. Don't think me first. Think we first. Start with we. I'm a part of a family, and the family is an expression of some of what it's like when heaven and earth are put back together again. When we treat people well, that's what it looks like. Now, another thing I want to say to you is many, many of us think that somehow here's our realm, and then out here somewhere else on a continuum. It's here, there. Here's our heaven, here's earth, here's heaven on some continuum. No, 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 no. That, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that people live here and on that same continuum over there. So, so in other words, what ha there's not some place we go. It's all right here together. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning because he was present. And God is going to overlap his realm onto our realm. It's think dimension. He's right here. And so when you hear people talk about things that they can't explain, they might even use the word supernatural. It's, it's just the realm of God somehow overlapping with the realm of us. It's not someplace physically distantly far away on the continuum. And some of you may like the words time and space. It's not limited to time and space. That's not at all. Right here. And Jesus over and over again demonstrated the hereness of the realm of God and the way he loved people, healed people, taught people, and lived for people, and then died for people, and lived again for people. There it is. There is God's space absolutely crashing from the future back into our space. And we have the beginnings of the heaven that lasts forever, the age to come, sometimes the Bible calls it. Whew. Y'all tired? <laughs> That's a lot. I've never done this before. I've only begun to figure out how to talk about it. But what, you, what we need to understand is the meaning of the, the word that we use about what happened 40 days later is ascension. A-S-C-E-N-S-I-O-N. -S Jesus ascended. And where did he ascend? Not to some point way over there, but to the realm of God, which is near, and to the throne. Jesus, the Lamb of God, as he's portrayed, the next chapter, Revelation chapter 22, says it's the Lamb and the Father sitting on the throne. The Lamb meaning the one who was slain for us. So this powerful kind of mega understanding of the sweep of God's work in the world is things started out great. They got messed up. Jesus puts them partially back together again through his death and resurrection. And he's building into, building into our reality. The new experience of living both a little bit with a foot in heaven and a little bit of foot in the, here. where It's both at the same time. But he's going to come and finish the job. And there will be no seam. There will be no gap. There will be no pain. There will be no death. And it's going to be way better than anything we can imagine. Because the lamb who was slain is the king of the universe. And he wants you to love him. He wants you to surrender. He wants you to see that he's sovereign. And out of gratitude and profound love, you and I get to live with him. You and I get to be his loyal subjects. And that sounds all really good, doesn't it? Except for it's really hard for us to understand how to make sense out of that. And so I'm going to try to be very concrete 
here with this. And the way, the way I want to talk about it, this is when we talk about the realm of God, the space of God or the kingdom of God, we're talking about the realm, the space, the kingdom where relationships are right. Just burn this into who you are. Now you can start to get your handle on this. So let me talk about this a couple of minutes. The kingdom of God, one of the ways of describing it is it's the realm, the space, the dimension where relationships, all of them are right. It's why we keep screaming and yelling in here about real relationships, real transformation. Real relationships result in real transformation. When I say the kingdom is right relationship, every single human being that's ever been born, every single one of them, has a relationship with God. And you're saying, no, they don't. So I know a lot of people that don't. So no, no, they have a relationship. We're talking about the difference between a relationship and a right relationship. And if a person is an atheist, they have a relationship with God, which is to say there is no God. That's still a relationship. If the person is far from God, then they have a, a far from God relationship. And God wants their love and loyalty and their, obe their obedience and their trust and their surrender. But still, there are plenty of people who would say, in a relaxed kind of way, yeah, I'm, I'm not all that close to God. That's okay. I'm okay with that. But right relationship with God and right relationship with each other is what the kingdom is about, right? The realm of God is about how we relate to God and how we relate to each other. And we do it a way that makes everything work well. So I have three or four words to help you get at this. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to think carefully about this, I want you to take scrupulous care, scrupulous care of relationships with God and with each other. Here's how we can do it. First way, authenticity. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean several things. Authenticity means what you see on the outside of me is pretty close to what's going on on the inside. It means that I'm, I'm not really hiding anything too much. And it means, you know, I, I also am letting people see my hurts as well as my happy. Letting people see my hang-ups. Letting people see habits, maybe good ones, maybe bad ones. Authentic. So when we're scrupulous about relationship with God, what I just said, we, we're, we're uncovered, no, no hiding. And God already knows anyway, but it's also the way we relate to each other. So you want to make sure you can do this right now. You can have authenticity in a relationship and bump it, bump the needle just a little bit more. That's one thing we can do. Another one I would call encouragement. I mean this two ways. There's lots of ways you could mean it, but I mean it two ways. One is to catch somebody doing something really well or doing something right and just put your arm around and say, attaboy. Find, when you see somebody do, making, doing something good or caring or whatever it is, just somebody moving the needle in the right direction, just put your arm around and say, I've noticed that was awesome. You're awesome. Encourage them. But encouragement also means walking with people when they're hurting. It means being next to somebody when they're going through it. And I want to remind you, they don't need you to tell them what to do. They don't need you to fix it. They need you just to simply to be there. Later on, maybe you'll have something to offer to help. And you mean well when you offer to help, but don't say that first. Don't say it second. Don't say it third. Just be there. If you want to encourage somebody who's hurting, just let them know you're thinking about them. Let them know that, call them and say, hey, I was thinking about you. Text them. Just be there. Later on, you may find a way that you can do something helpful. It will emerge naturally. 
So encouragement is really a great way to scrupulously guard that relationships are good. Now, that's mostly human there. The first one, authenticity, that really goes both ways with God and with each other. Um, God doesn't need you to encourage God, (laughs) but God will encourage you, and God will use people to do it. The third one is apology. And I tried, to, I tried to list what I mean by that. And here's, here's what regular people, you know what you are and what I am? I'm an ordinary sinner. And what I mean by that is I do stuff that hurts God and hurts people. And here's, here's how regular, ordinary people, we're all ordinary. This is what we say. What have I done? And then you know what we say next? I'm sorry. It's pretty simple. But if you feel it, what have I done? And, you're, and you say to the person, again, this really goes both ways. This goes straight up and down uh, vertically to God, and it goes horizontally with people. What have I done? It's not, about, it's not about holding on and pretending I didn't. Just say it. And then say, I'm sorry to God or to the person. And people will say, I forgive you, because that's the fourth one fourth one I have up here is for how many times do we forgive and when Jesus was asked that question he said well 70 times 7 he didn't mean 490 and you get to blow them off on the 491st <laughs> he didn't mean that and what it does it means is forever the same way oh by the way I'm forgiving you forever because every time I say to God oh what have I done I'm sorry you know what he says he picks me up wipes the dirt off of me and says I love you over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and there's no end to it. That's how God's love, remember, the, the realm of God is a realm of forgiveness and restoration, and it never stops, never quits. You and I live with a foot in the realm of God, and we live with a foot still in what the Bible calls this age or the age of sin and death or the earthly age. We live with feet in both. But if we take scrupulous care to have right relationships, then we become a part of God showing the world what it's like to be loved and respond to God in love and in gratitude. This is the challenge that we have before us. Wherever you are in your walk of faith, You are being challenged and I'm being challenged today by this mega picture of the enthroned king of the universe saying to us, will you be my loyal subject? Will you live into the world that which I started? A way of saying that would be, will you continue my legacy of right relationships? That's what Jesus wants from us. He is the sovereign king. You are his subject. He loves you. He wants you at work on his project to make the whole world know that they're loved. And we do it through right relationships with him and with each other. Let me pray for us, Jesus followers, as we all together jump up and down with an excitement about being loyal and royal, loyal subjects of a royal king. Let me pray. Gracious God, we see you seated on the throne. We see you royally. We see you kingly. We see you lovingly. We see you forgiving. 
we see you beckoning us, your subjects, to give our lives and surrender